man, I'm having so much fun. This is a $1.6 trillion industry. I'm talking about the food and beverage space. If you're not having fun, you're in the wrong place. Yes, it's hard work, but my gosh, the companies, the brands, the flavors, the experiences, the missions, it's fantastic. But some of the brands are different, better, and special. They're the ones who are able to really compete and vie for customer loyalty. Look, I know you want to make your brand different, better, and special. I know you yourself want to be different, better, and special. That's my mission. That's why you're here. Join me on this journey as I interview CEOs and founders from all the different companies within the food and beverage industry so we can discover what they're doing, so we can take that information back, digest it, and become better ourselves and to help our companies take on different strategies, pick the right technology, pick the right partners. And of course, you got to have great tasting food. You got to have great tasting beverages, packaged goods. If it doesn't taste good, you're lost. I'm sorry. You're going to lose millions. If you're new here, take the five episode challenge. Go back, pick out some brands and CEOs, some topics. If you love the content, subscribe. You're going to find it on every podcast platform once or twice a week. But I also publish them on LinkedIn because that's where we kind of hang out. So when you see it on LinkedIn, stop by, make a comment, share it back into your food and beverage network. I would appreciate it. The brands would appreciate it. To all my loyal listeners, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Thank you for being with me on this journey. Thanks for coming along on this mission for the past two years. If you are considering a strategic job change, message me. Let's have a confidential conversation. If your brand is growing and you need to attract experts, you also need to contact me because I have created a different, better, and special recruiting system. I promise you, no other search firm in America is doing that. Who am I? I'm Tony Moore. I'm an expert food and beverage headhunter, semi-professional podcaster, and I'm here each and every week. Stay tuned for this week's episode. Today, I'm joined by Lisa Curtis. I am so excited. She and I are finally connecting. She's the founder and CEO of Cully Cully. Cully Cully is the leading brand pioneering sustainable superfoods like Moringa. Uh, Moringa is a naturally energizing green superfood packed with protein, antioxidants, vitamins. It's, uh, it's just ex- extremely nutritious. And she partners, her company partners with local entrepreneurs, sourcing directly from small farms, prioritizing African and women-led social enterprises. And Lisa is a Forbes 30 under 30. Very excited to have this up-and-coming company and entrepreneur join us on Winning at Work. Welcome in. Lisa, how are you today? Yeah, thanks for having me. Lisa, you have to tell us your origin story. What happened in the Peace Corps? How did you discover Moringa and turn it into this social enterprise here in the United States and how you got the business started. Please tell us really about your brand. Yeah. So I, um, so like you said, I'm 
friend Cooley Cooley were the leading brand selling this super green Moringa, which I had never heard of until I joined the Peace Corps. So I joined the Peace Corps in Niger, West Africa in 2009, was placed in a very rural village with no electricity, no running water. And as a vegetarian found that I was mostly eating just rice every day. And it was a diet that left me feeling pretty crappy. So I started asking some of the nurses who I was working in the health center with, you know, what I could eat that would make me feel better. And they literally pulled these leaves off a tree and mixed them into a popular local snack um, called Cooley Cooley and said, eat this, it'll make you feel better. And, you know, I'd never thought to eat tree leaves. I'd never heard of Moringa before. It all seemed like a little strange, but trusted these women. And I was like, Anything to survive, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, look, I'm, I'm feeling so crappy. You know, I'll, I'll take anything desperate to make me Desperate times just feel call for desperate sluggish. measures. Yeah, exactly. So started eating this, this Cooley Cooley Moringa snack every day and it, really had a profound effect on me. It made me feel so much more energized, um, kind of gave my body the nutrients it needed to just feel great. So um, I started doing some research and was like, wow, this plant is incredibly nutritious, packed with protein, calcium, iron, vitamins, has all sorts of medicinal benefits. Um, and, you know, it was eaten kind of all over the tropics, but hadn't really made it to the U.S. So I, I kept asking, you know, the women in my village what I could do to support them, to help them grow more of it locally, help more local people benefit from it. And they really wanted a way to sell it in the U.S. So long story short, at the, the tender age of 22, I signed up to help launch a Moringa business in the U.S., not really knowing what I was getting into. Um, and now I've been doing it full-time for eight years. So we sell um, Moringa powders and snacks in about 11,000 stores across the U.S. That's incredible. You had no food and beverage background, yet you've got it into 11,000 stores. Walk us through, how did you bring this brand to life? Yeah, so it was a really big idea, um, and I started very small. Um, so first stage, actually, when I got back to the U.S., I, you know, had been paid $75 a month in the Peace Corps, believe it or not. So I had very little money, so I needed to get a job. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the, that was the living stipend was a grand total of $75 a month, which is enough to live on in Niger, but doesn't really help you save a ton of money. So yeah, I got back to the U.S. and, you know, pretty clearly like knew that, all right, I, I don't want to live at my parents forever. Like I, I need to get a job. I need to be able to pay rent. Um, and, but I also knew that I really wanted to start this Moringa business. And so I, I started asking some of my advisors, you know, what could I do to kind of get this going? And they said, well, you know, one of their, one advisor in particular said her best piece of advice was to work at a startup and fail on somebody else's dime first which I think is, is a, a, one of the smartest things anyone told me. So I did. I, um, not in CPG, but actually worked at a tech startup. Um, but it was an amazing journey. I was the fourth person there. I uh, grew from zero to 5 million while I was there, you know, four to 40 people. And found it was an incredible way to just learn about growing a company um, so I, uh, ended up doing that, um, for 
a couple years and then kind of doing Cooley Cooley on the side. So nights, weekends was basically for a long time just figuring out how do I import Moringa here and then will anybody buy it? Uh, so ended up looking like a lot of testing at farmer's markets, a lot of kind of networking and then launched it onto the market in 2014. Oh, I love farmer's markets, getting to see all the new brands, all the people out there trying to get their products to go. Tell me about how that uh, unfolded for you at the farmer's market. So we actually ended up trying bars first. Um, We experimented with putting Moringa in a ton of different things. um, And actually, the the goal was to recreate that kind of original Cooley Cooley Moringa snack, which um, Cooley Cooley in, in kind of a lot of West African cultures is this like peanut snack. Um, and we started with peanuts and then especially at the time, there's a lot of like allergen concerns. So we switched to almonds. Um, so ended up making this kind of almond and date and moringa snack, um, and did a lot of testing. We were very deliberate and not just selling at farmer's markets, but actually interviewing everybody who came by understanding, you know, what they liked, what they didn't like, what did they try? Um, and then really trying to gauge our conversion rate from sample to sale. That is so exciting. You have all these people in mouths walking by. You're like, come sample, come sample, come try it. Totally. It's like a real live sampling project. Yes, exactly. And it was, it was great. It was wonderful to get that kind of feedback. And we started to learn pretty quickly, you know, the types of messaging that were working, which I actually think was really, really important for me as a social entrepreneur and as, you know, kind of a bleeding heart Peace Corps volunteer to learn that people weren't buying it because it supports, you know, women in Africa and helps plant trees. They were buying it because they liked the nutritional benefits. They liked that it would give them caffeine-free energy. They liked that it would, you know, give their body what it needed to feel good. Um, and so kind of helped me understand that like, you know, if you want to be a social enterprise, you need to be an enterprise first. (laughs) You need to have a product that people are going to want to buy. Man, that is great advice. You start with what the consumer wants. You make sure you're meeting a need that it's healthy, it tastes great, and they love it. Yes. And then you bring them along into your story of here are all the other benefits. Here's how we're helping these other people. Totally. And it's it's interesting. We started off doing that and the number of people who would come and they would talk to me for like, you know, hours about their friends and family who'd done the Peace Corps, or like, oh, I know somebody I, you know, did this mission trip somewhere in Africa. Um, and they would talk for for so long and then they would walk away and not buy a thing. And what I realized is that we were putting people in this mindset where they were going to sort of this like charitable sort of international development space. They were no longer in a purchasing mindset. Interesting. You actually learned a marketing principle right there on the street. We did. We did. And we also, I think the most important thing we did, which I advise a lot of emerging entrepreneurs to do this, is we got a lot of consumer feedback and we were able to test and refine the product at a small scale. Um, So basically, you know, the first year to year and a half, it was a little brutal because I was working Monday through Friday. Saturday, I was like in a commercial kitchen making bars by hand. And then Sunday was at farmer's markets, testing it out, getting feedback. And then 
you know, switching up the recipe, tweaking things, trying again the next week, um, seeing what we got. But we were able to, to get a really solid bar. They're still available today, actually. Um, and that's what we then finally found somebody who came by, actually, our farmer's market, saw what we were doing and was like, oh, you know, I work at Whole Foods. You guys should present this. Um, and that was our first big break. Wow. So the biggest boy on the block came and found you, loved the sample, and now you've got to figure out how to get ready for the big show, the big time. Yes. Yes. Biggest boy on the block. Maybe a small segment of the biggest boy on the block. This was somebody who worked at a local Whole Foods store, not like, you know, the, the Whole Foods Global. It wasn't like the folks from Austin coming by and saying, we want to launch you nationwide. But it was a foot in the door. Um, and the, the foot in the door was actually interesting because I was like, oh my God, oh my God, we're in, you know, we, we had this, we had this meeting and it was to this day, I think the best sales meeting I've ever had where I like stayed up all night. We like made, you know, we're making samples by hand. We made all these samples by hand. We like prepped all of our talking points, made this beautiful deck, walked into this meeting and the buyer was like, oh. Moringa. I love Moringa. We don't have any Moringa products. Let's do it. And it was it. That was over. It was like a two minute meeting. <laughs> um, somehow oh my God, you just stressed out for like 18 hours. Exactly. Exactly. So we, Well, you just had no way of knowing your audience at that point. Never knew. But I will say we thought we thought we had made it. We thought we were like, oh, now we're going to be enormous. Um, she authorized us for all of the stores, but we still had to go store by store and sell it in. So then my new job became uh, fundraising to try to get enough money to make the product by a co-packer. So we didn't make it by hand. How did you do that? Walk us through the fundraising process. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was all... All really networking. Um, you know, I think one of the challenges of, of starting a business when you're in your early 20s is you don't have like a lot of friends who have a lot of wealth or like I had $2,000 in my bank account. Um, so what did you do? Just turn to like friends or family for help or did you have to go outside that network? Yeah. And it wasn't even a ton of family. It was, and it wasn't really friends either. It was, it was really kind of like strangers <laughs> um, in the sense that it, it was me going to a ton of networking events, talking to everyone I could um, and really just trying to meet people um, and, you know, finding that like often people would say no right away. But then if I kept them updated and said like, Hey, you know, Whole Foods just brought us in or Hey, we're got into this other retailer very slowly started to be able to do that. I think you had a great mindset. It was, they just need more information. It's not no. They just need to learn more. So I'm a big fan of no being not yet. Um, so one of the things I do is that I have a list of about 400 people who, literally the, the name of my spreadsheet is called future investors. <laughs> um, and these are people who have rejected me and said like, no, I don't want to invest in you. But you know, said they're not full out, never interested, that they're interested in keeping updated. Um, and to this day, every quarter, I send them an update. I say, hey, here's what we're doing. You know, here's how we're growing. Here's what we're learning. And 
let me know if you have any thoughts. And a lot of those times, nobody replies. Um, but we did have, when we did our Series B, there was one um, gentleman who had told me, you know, probably four years ago, he's like, I'm a tech investor. I don't do food, but, you know, I like what you're doing. And then out of the blue, when we were doing our Series B, he replied and put in close to $2 million. That's amazing. I mean, it really paid off. All right, so get us up to speed now. So you've got packaging, you've got it formulated, now you're breaking into retail. It is such a different animal. I mean, retail is really tough. Tell us, you know, how you started managing that process. Retail is very tough. Like you said, Whole Foods was a start, and our goal was to really prove ourselves in Whole Foods and develop a sales story. Um, and we only got authorized for Whole Foods. So I had to go in and sell it store by store. And I would actually stand there, sell the product in, do a demo, try to sell out of at least two cases of bars while I was in the store um, and start to get those sales velocities really going and, and talk to every customer I could find. Um, and then we could start to take that data and say like, hey, other retailers, look, you know, we're selling 12 bars per store per week. Um Here's the data coming out of Whole Foods. Like, we're interested in working with you. Um, we also did some trade shows early on. So we did Expo West. We did Fancy Food um, and started to get some traction and, and really built the brand regionally. Started in Northern California, then went Southern, then went all the West Coast. Um, and then about two years into the business, we launched Nationwide with Whole Foods. That's fantastic. So I guess at that point, then you had to go out and figure out which distributor you wanted to work with to give you that national coverage. Uh, who did you guys end up going with? Yeah, yeah. At that point, we, we couldn't, definitely couldn't sell directly. Um, so we then got set up with UNFI nationwide. I mean, landing Whole Foods really was a blessing because it forced you to get your process, your infrastructure, your distribution. So now you've got that. So how did you leverage that to expand into other retailers? Yeah. So that was when we raised another round of funding with the idea that like, this is a huge opportunity. You know, prior to that, it had just been me and my co-founder full time. There were two of us. <laughs> you can't go to every store <laughs> one by one. We can't go to every store. So yeah, we raised a little bit of money, hired some more people. Um, we also hired a brokerage, uh, which I think was really key to us unlocking, you know, other stores. Um, and we also did, we, we tried to understand pretty clearly that, look, we are a small brand with, you know, a nationwide presence. We're only two years old. We can't be, we're not going to do well everywhere. So let's figure out like where we can do well. So we had a five cities strategy where we're like, okay, San Francisco, Miami, Chicago, New York, that is, those are the places that we are going to saturate. Um, and so we hired a bunch of field marketers, you know, at one point we were doing like, I think close to 600 demos a year, um, passing out samples, talking to customers, talking to team members, you know, people on the floor, um, and really just trying to get awareness of Moringa out there. Um, so we, you know, we, at, we launched nationwide, the powder, we also launched our wellness shots. Um, and then the bars were in a, a so sub segment of regions. Um, but we really need people to know what Moringa was uh, so that they would go buy it. So we had to do a ton of consumer education. I love that strategy. And I have heard that before, even though you have national distribution, you still have to pick where you want to saturate. I think that's, that's really smart. So to run a campaign like that, what you probably 
partnered with the company, shipped them all the samples, completed surveys, got some more feedback, you know, worked on that education. Is that the uh, kind of the way y'all went about that? Yeah, we didn't actually partner with a company. <laughs> we, we, we did it scrappy. We hired our own people. Um, we actually hired people directly. Oh my, you attempted to tackle the monster. I can't imagine what that was like. How did you go about hiring all those people? Um, it was a lot of like, kind of some Indeed, some Craigslist, some social media. You literally rang the dinner bell to see who would come. Yeah, although we had a pretty extensive interview process. It worked? And it did, it did. I mean, we found some amazing people to this day, like, some of my, like the people I just appreciate most in the world are Cooley Cooley Field marketers because their level of like enthusiasm and, and just the way that they show up for our brand is incredible. Oh, that's great. Um, it's like you're creating little brand ambassadors. Yeah. Um, it's, it's sort of like you pay with your time or you pay with your money and we had more time than money. So we paid <laughs> with our time um, and managed it all ourselves. But I, we also got better results in the sense that we had people that really knew the brand that were only, you know, working for Cooley Cooley for a lot of them. It was like a passion side gig for them that they like loved what we were doing. They loved the mission, they, you know, or Moringa aficionados, um, which you can't really get if you just go through a demo company. Oh yeah. Much better than, Hey, what are we going to be selling this week? Totally. All right. So it looks like at this point, you've got permission to sell across the country into Whole Foods. Now you've got national distributors. You're penetrating those five cities. So now it's all about how do you strategically manage your growth, right? Because you've got some money. So walk us through kind of that next phase. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, within that five city strategy, we really focused on kind of like most of our marketing happening there and really our biggest distribution pushes, but then we were pushing distribution in other locations as well. Um, and really trying to think about like, who are the top tier retailers? Like where does our customer shop? So, you know, like Seattle wasn't a focus city, but like PCC was obviously a focus retailer, um, things like that. Uh, so, you know, really trying to get all of the top tier natural food stories. Um, and then in 2017, 2018, we started our first foray into more conventional, um, which was really interesting. Uh, so Safeway Albertsons launched us nationwide, as did CVS. Uh, 2019 Walmart launched us nationwide as well. So started to play with the big boys <laughs> um, and learned a lot and actually have been very successful um, in, in quite a few of them. And I think the thing that's really interesting about Moringa is that it is new to a lot of Americans, but it's very familiar to a subsegment of Americans. So, you know, for example, in the Philippines, Moringa is called Malangai and it's the national vegetable. So a lot of Filipino Americans know about it. In a lot of Central and South America, Moringa is used as like a medicinal plant for kind of weight management and diabetes. And a lot of people know about it. Um, in, you know, India, it's called the drumstick tree and it's eaten a lot in curries. It's used a lot in Ayurvedic medicine. 
Um, and then all over Africa, it's called the tree of life. So you get, you get these amazing folks who would come up to us like at demos or, you know, other places and be like, Moringa. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, my grandmother has a Moringa tree in her backyard in Mexico. Or, you know, my mom puts, you know, this drumstick tree in Sambar all the time. That, that kind of thing that was just so cool that, that, you know, it's a, it's a product that has such a deep cultural history. Um, and so I think that's why, even though, you know, Moringa awareness may seem low in even a lot of these mass market retailers, it, it, it gets bought, it turns. Well, and you've got the benefit of being first to market. Always be first if you can. Yes. I think what I love about this story is that you didn't pick a product or a category that was already out there and take it through premiumization. That's very expensive to do that because you're having to educate, although you are still educating people. But you're entering with a, a premium product that's, as you say, it's got this great cultural history, and you're not in a category that's just been kind of stale. There's a lot of me too. Yes, there's a lot of me too. So you didn't have to separate yourself from other products because you were first and you were introducing this into the American market. So I don't know, is that like a little, maybe a hidden gem, little secret for an entrepreneur? It's a double-edged sword. It is a double-edged sword. It's amazing in the sense we are first to market, we're unique, the press loves to talk about us. Buyers are interested in us. We have, you know, 60 plus percent market share in the U.S. to this day, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, the other side of it is both consumer education and the fact that we're now starting to see copycats. And so we see folks who are throwing like really low quality Moringa powder with like lots of heavy metals, lots of issues into a bag and selling it for half the price. Um, so I think now we're not only Yeah, and they're labeling people. it Moringa. Yeah, and they're labeling it. And some of classic <laughs> greenwashing. I know. And they're often copying our packaging too, which is really frustrating. Man, this has been such a great story. Tell us like where can we go and find the product? Yeah, so coolycoolyfoods.com. That's K-U-L-I-K-U-L-I-F-O-O-D-S, Cooly Cooly Foods. Um, that's our website. That's where you can find all of our products. We're also on Amazon. We are primable. Um, if you buy us on Amazon and you like it, please leave us a review. We would love a review. Yeah, you got to leave um, a review. It helps small businesses got a so review. much. It helps small businesses so much. <laughs> and then the exciting one, actually, it's exclusively at Whole Foods Market right now. Just as of this week, we have Superfood Gummies, Super Gummies, launching nationwide. Um, so if you've ever you know, wanted to try powerful medicinal plants like Moringa or Chaga or Turmeric, but you don't really like the taste try these gummies. They taste incredible and you're getting 400 to 500 milligrams of these really powerful plants. Well, this is exciting for me to meet a, uh, you know, a young upstart company that's really making waves. I, I mean, well, you guys really aren't startup <laughs> anymore, are you? Yeah, still, still a startup, but we are um, I feel like we're fully started. <laughs> well, so I think the difference to me, but the difference between a small business and a startup is that like a startup has aspirations of growing a lot bigger. A small business has often just, you know, you want to 
stay alive, stay a small business, stay, stay going and relevant for us. Innovative. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's funny. I, my husband likes to remind me, he's like, remember when you were like, I can't wait to be a million dollars in sales. And then it was like, Oh, I can't wait to be $5 million sales. And it's like, Oh, I can't wait to be $10 million in sales. Well, we're going to have to go check this out. But for me personally, I think smoothies are the way to go. I'm going to check out the gummies too, because that sounds like it's easy on the go. But I think, you know, working into a smoothie routine is so easy. So you must try our moringa powder. I mean, this is, it is literally, you will feel a difference. Like if I'll, I'll send you some samples. If you don't feel a difference, you can go on your podcast and tell everybody I was totally wrong. But take it, take it every day. Try it every day for two weeks. Just try a little bit in your smoothie every day for two weeks. And I promise you will feel less bloated. You'll feel more energized. It, it has a really powerful effect on people. All right. I'm going to take you up on it. So like, what's the best type of smoothie should I make using the Moringa powder? Well, so Moringa, it's a pretty earthy green, um, tastes a lot like matcha. So I find things that work really well with that are um, bananas work great. Cinnamon works great. Um, and then, you know, kind of whatever you want to add from there. If you want to up the protein, if you want to, you know, up the berries, etc. Um, I also really love a little bit of nut butter. So I like a little bit of peanut butter or a little bit of almond butter. Um, it really just kind of blends in super well. And then it's just... It's All right, it sounds good. Then what do I just use? Like an almond milk base? Yeah, almond milk. Um, I often will do a, a superfood oatmeal as well. Add in, I, I sprinkle it on top, add a little peanut butter, mix it all in, and it's delicious. This and my one year Instagram. We do, Cooly Cooly Foods. Um, and then I'm also Lisa M. Curtis, so you can, you can check it both out. But mine's mostly baby photos. Cooly Cooly Foods is the one to look at. <laughs> oh, I am so, just so excited. We finally got our schedules connected to talk about this. Yeah. Oh, you have just been such a great treat to talk to. I can't wait to have you back on. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of follow-up questions. Lisa Curtis, Cooley Cooley, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Have a good one.